Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Good morning, PCC. Oh, guys, that was saddening. Good morning, PCC. And if you're online with us, good morning to you as well. Um, My name is Hannah Nielsen. I'm the middle school pastor here at PCC. If you're a middle schooler, give a whoop whoop right now. Hey, I know they're over here. It's okay. They're hiding. It's fine. Um, But I am so delighted to be with you this morning in our Deuteronomy series as we're following the Israelites in their trek through the desert uh, as we go through the book of Deuteronomy. And this morning, I wanted to start out with a little bit of like a get-to-know-you situation because like some of you might not know me, some of you might know me, uh, but I don't know all of you. And if I don't know you, let's fix that. Uh, But a little bit about me personally is that in my family, I have an older brother and I have a younger sister. And my younger sister is about five years younger than me. And so when she was a senior in high school, I was the uh, high school director at our home church, the church we grew up in. And if you know anything about youth group or people in general, we really like to play games. Does anyone here really enjoy games? Anyone at all? Oh, there we go. There we go. Um, How many of you have played the game Hungry Hungry Hippos? Anyone? Oh, awesome. So we're kind of familiar with it. Um, So we decided to make Hungry Hungry Hippos come to life and be a real game that people would engage in. And so I have a quick video for you of what this looked like when we played it. But essentially, people would lie down on furniture dollies and we'd launch them out with a milk crate and they would grab the balls and bring it to their side. It was pretty fun and pretty ridiculous. Uh, And so I was facilitating... My sister was on a team when she was in high school, and her team was like, Grace, we're choosing you. You're going. We picked you to go out and get all the stuff for our team. And she was like, no, thanks. Like, I don't really want to. And they were like, too bad. You're going to do it. And so she's like, all right, fine. Now I have to. Gets on the furniture dolly and says, all right, guys, wait a second. But they were so hyped that they just launched her off. But here's the thing. She asked them to wait because at the time she had waist length hair and she was just thinking, you know, I just want to tie it back, get it out of the way. And so when they launch her, oh man, her hair got stuck in the wheels of the furniture dolly. And so they launch her and she stops, right? Because there's something in the way of the wheels. And they're like, why is she stopped? And so they keep trying to push her. And she's like, no. And so I'm alerted to all of this because I just hear screaming. And so I look and I see my sister head connected to the furniture dolly. I'm like, stop, wait. And so I go over, took three of us to help get her hair out. Don't worry, her hair was fine. There was no hair lost in the process, which is pretty impressive. Uh, And she is A-OK. But I tell this story so you get to know a little bit about me, about my family. But also, um, she was picked for something and chosen for something that she didn't really want to participate in. And sometimes that happens for us, and it turns out not so good like it did for her. Sometimes it turns out okay. And as we're looking at the life of the Israelites, we actually find out that they, in fact, are chosen. 
we're going to take a look at what that means for them and for us this morning. So would you pray with me as we uh, begin our time together in the word? Father, we thank you for this moment where we can um, just come and listen to you and what you might have to say to us this morning. Would you open our hearts and our ears to receive whatever it is that you are trying to say? Lord, would these words be pleasing to you? Would you teach us something new? It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. So currently we are in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 14 to be specific. But before we can dive in, I have to give you a little bit of context so you know what we're reading. Deuteronomy chapters 13 through 16 are a little different than the rest of the book. See, Deuteronomy 13 through 16 is actually written in order to give guidelines and rules to the Israelites as they're wandering in the desert. And so it gives them some directions about like what kind of food they eat or not, worshiping other gods, tithing, canceling debts, and a whole lot of other stuff. And this was very intentional on the part of God um, because he's actually telling them that they are being called to be different in word and in deed from the pagans that are surrounding them. And so in the middle of giving these guidelines in chapter 14, you see this kind of random verse, which is the verse we'll go over today, which is verse 2. And what happens in verse 2 is that God is providing them the understanding of why they are supposed to abide by and follow the rules and guidelines that he's telling them. So if you would open your Bible, Bible app, look up on the screen, we're going to read through this verse together. So Deuteronomy 14 Verse 2 says this, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. What's wild about this verse is that God is giving his people an assurance. He's giving them an assurance of their identity and who they are. And what's even wilder is this isn't even the first, second, or third time that God has actually told his people this. We see it for the first time in Genesis when he's talking to Abraham about his lineage and said, you will be a people throughout all the earth. We see it again in Exodus with the Israelites at Mount Sinai where God is reminding them who they are. We see it in Deuteronomy chapter 7 We see it now in Deuteronomy 14, and in fact, we even see it again in Isaiah. Man, when something's repeated this much, it probably tells us it's kind of important. And not only is it thread throughout the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, when Jesus comes, he reiterates the same sentiment, saying, you are chosen. We have picked you. And in 1 Peter, we see Peter telling the people the same thing, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set aside by God. And he tells them this in remembrance of Deuteronomy, in remembrance of of, of the Israelites in Deuteronomy, and God's promises remaining true. And And in this process of God reminding the people that they're chosen, and that they're set apart from others, we need to understand something in our modern day context. This promise was originally designed for the Jewish people, for the Israelites, saying, Israel, you were set aside. And so for those of us who are not of Jewish heritage, 
Gentiles, as some would call us, this promise actually isn't extended to us in the Old Testament. What's absolutely remarkable is that through Jesus' coming, that is when that offer is extended to us to be part of the chosen people. Through Jesus' coming, we are invited into the chosen because the promise wasn't initially meant for us. But God's love is so big that he said, I want to invite you. I want to bring you into part of my family. I want to bring you into my story and make you a part of the chosen people, my people. And the wild thing is that God doesn't have to do anything he doesn't want to, right? He's God. And so when I think about it, I I go on a bit of a rabbit trail because I'm like, wow, God didn't have to rescue the Israelites from captivity. God didn't have to choose the Israelites. God didn't have to send his son for us. God did not have to invite us into the process of being a part of his family. And yet he did. Wow. All because of his love for you and for me. See, God giving his people direction in chapter 14, giving them these guidelines, giving them the parameters of how to be different is actually an extension of his love. He's trying to give them the understanding of like, hey, if you are mine, you're called to be different. Because, and this is, this is a point I will say multiple times and I want to drive home and I need you guys to hear it. When you understand that you're chosen it changes the way that you see the world. And it changes what you do, like how you act. I'm gonna say it again, when when you understand the fact that you, yes you, are chosen, it changes the way that you see the world and what you do. I think back to like my childhood or growing up when, when you're picked for a team, right? Or even like something as simple as kickball in school, right? You get so excited. Or when you get into the play that you auditioned for or the choir or the sports team. When you get into those things, when you are picked, when you are chosen, it motivates you to want to do better. It excites you. It's an exciting process. And see, we weren't originally part of the team as Gentiles. We got picked because of God's love. He literally picked us and said, I want to invest in you. I want you to be part of my team. Which is, is kind of wild to me because I, I know me and I'm like, ah, but I'm like probably not good enough. And like, I don't know, it feels really weird. Like, I can't be set apart. No, no, no. But here's the thing. God is actually in the habit of picking imperfect people for his perfect plan. If you don't believe me, we see it all throughout scriptures where he often and frequently chose people who were not equipped who were not perfect, who didn't feel called, who didn't feel worthy. I think specifically of Moses, who is in Deuteronomy leading the people out of captivity, leading people through the desert. What originally happened is he stood in front of God as the burning bush, and God said, you are going to do amazing things. And Moses said, no, it's okay. Like, no, no, not me. And God's like, no, you. He said, but God, you don't get it. 
I have a stutter, I'm not very articulate, I'm really anxious. Like, send my brother, don't send me, he's way better. And God said, I'll give you your brother, but you're still going. I think of Jonah, who um, was called to go to Nineveh and tell the people of Nineveh to repent from their ways so that God could work in their lives in amazing ways. But because of Jonah's pride, he didn't want to go. And so what did he do? He ran. And God, being God, sent a storm. He got tossed overboard. He got swallowed by a fish. And in the belly of a fish, he had to come to terms with, do I want to die? Or do I want to follow God's instructions? And he chose to follow God's instructions. Chose right. But even afterwards, he was so resentful because of his pride. Neither of these people were perfect. Yet God still chose them to do amazing things. If you want to look them up in your own time, a couple other people are Gideon, Jeremiah, Queen Esther, and Mary, the mother of Jesus. People who we probably wouldn't have picked out of the crowd to go do amazing things. And yet God chose them in their imperfectness for his perfect plan. See, regardless of our age or stage, what we feel like we're equipped for or not, we're still chosen. You are still chosen. And the thing is that being chosen isn't necessarily something that's very comfortable. In fact, I think oftentimes being chosen pulls us out of our comfort zones. We have to take on new responsibility. We have to do different things than we normally would. It's not really convenient all the time. But here's the why. The why this is so important, and I need you to hear this. Not living into being chosen pulls us farther away from God and his plans for us. I'm going to say that again because I think we need to understand that when we are not living into our chosenness, it pulls us farther away from God and for his plans for us. And we have the choice. We can either choose to live into our chosenness or run away from it, hide from it, avoid it. But at some point, we have to come to terms with it. If you have been um, watching the movie scene recently or have any like love of superheroes at all, you will know that a movie recently came out called Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And for me, I was extremely hyped about this movie, so excited, been waiting over a year for it to come out. And it was monumental because it is the first Asian superhero to be shown on screen. And I was so ready as like being half Japanese and being an Asian American, I was like, yes, finally, someone on screen I can kind of relate to, who I can understand and relate with. I was so excited. If you haven't seen the movie, I highly recommend it. There are a couple spoilers, but nothing too much. Um, but I'm going to give you a little bit of a synopsis uh, to lead you to the illustration I want to use. Um, so this movie is about a man named Shang-Chi. Surprise, surprise. And you find out that his father is the leader of this mafia group called the Ten Rings, who are very feared and very powerful. From a young age, he is brought up to be his dad's right-hand man, and to take over the family business eventually. 
But when he turns 15 and gets sent on his first mission, he decides that he doesn't want any part of it. His moral compass is too high, and he chooses to run away. And so where the movie starts, we see him as a 25-year-old living in a garage in San Francisco, California. Very relatable for us young adults who can't afford the bay. Um, But he is living this life in hiding. He hasn't created very many waves, hasn't really expanded his social circles much, hasn't really gone after anything for fear of his father finding him. And so you see him working as a valet with his best friend, Katie. And a bunch of stuff happens, and you you can see kind of the inner tension he has and this wrestling of who am I? What do I do? What does this mean for my life? Where do I go? And you watch his trajectory throughout the movie on what this does to him. And one of the most important scenes for me was watching, um, eventually he gets reunited with his father and his family, and he's sitting at the dinner table with uh, his sister, his dad, and his friend, Katie. And his dad asks his friend, what's your name? She says, Katie. He says, no, 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 what is your Chinese name? She says, Ray Wen. And he goes, Ray Wen, never forget your name. Because your name connects you to who you are, those who have gone before you, and where you will go in the future. And for me, sitting in the movie theater, I had this moment. Because if you haven't been able to tell, my name is a little weird. It's Hannah, but it's spelled Hannah. So it's actually very intentional on the part of my parents. Um, Being half Japanese, they wanted a traditional Japanese name, Hannah, meaning flower in Japanese. But they also wanted a biblical name. And so they kept Hannah in Hebrew, the Hebrew spelling, and they combined the two. And so understanding for me in the wrestling of my identity and coming to terms with my own culture and where I fit in and knowing that this thing, being called by name, what my name means was so important. See, God also calls us by a name that is important. He calls us chosen. And as the movie goes on, you see Shang-Chi wrestling, and his dad says something very important. At one point, he turns to his son, he says, Shang-Chi, you can't outrun who you really are. Are we running from who we are? Are we running from this idea of being chosen people? I think some of us may have lost sight and forgotten our chosenness. I mean, we forget our car keys and our wallets. Of course we're going to forget our identity. Why do you think God reminded the Israelites so much? They were just as forgetful as we are. But if being chosen is actually a part of our identity, we still choose to run away or hide from it. But my question for us is how would we be different if we chose to live in to our chosenness? And I think we need to remember that this is actually why gathering together as community, as the body, as PCC is so important. Because your identity isn't just for you. 
Sorry if you thought it was surprise, it's actually not just for you. Because what happens is when you live into your chosenness, when you view the world differently, when you act differently, people take notice and it's a trickle down effect. It starts affecting the people around you. But when you're hiding from your chosenness, what happens is that you're actually depriving the people around you from experiencing you at your full potential. You're depriving them from the amazing call that God has put on your life and the ways in which you could be impacting those around you. And I think this trickle-down effect and this ripple effect is why it's so important to disciple our kids our teens, our young adults, those in the younger generations. This is why family table is so important because your effect on others can be huge when you're living into your chosenness. People will take notice. That's why we're called to serve others and serve the church. And you might be thinking, Hannah, that sounds great for someone else, not me. You don't know me. You don't know my brokenness. You don't know what I've done or where I've been or who I secretly am or what I'm afraid to come to light. You don't get it. Like, that sounds awesome for someone who's maybe not as broken as I am. God chose you. God chose you. In spite of our brokenness, you think he doesn't know? God still chose you. This is your reminder this morning. If you've been wondering, man, who am I? You are chosen. God chose you. And since we're forgetful people, I want to remind you of this and continue to remind you. I'm going to read the verse again. It'll be up on the screen. But if you would just close your eyes and receive these words over you. This is for you. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. And the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. And the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. You can open your eyes. There are two things that I want you to take away from this morning. So if you have your phone, I would love for you to to grab it, or you might see a piece of paper in your row that looks like this. I just need you to be able to write down two things, okay? I'm going to pose two questions, and they're for you. They're not for the person next to you to hold you accountable to. These are for you, and they'll be up on the screen so that you can look at them as well. The first is this. How are you hiding your chosenness? How are you hiding your chosenness? I want you to reflect on maybe where you've fallen short, where you need to work a little bit, or if you're just avoiding your chosenness. It's too hard, it's too complicated. Where are you hiding, or how are you hiding your chosenness?
The second question is this. What is one way that you can live into your chosenness this week? What is just one way, just one, that you can live into your chosenness? If we're not, are you going to miss out on the kingdom? Are you going to miss out on the benefit of community? The benefit of supporting one another, experiencing fulfillment. Just one way to live it out this week. And if you need some options, don't worry, I've written a couple down for you. Maybe you've been having this holy wrestling and a conviction. What if you acted on it this week? Number two, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but start serving. I don't say that as a guilt trip, but I'm going to be very honest with you. Our church is in need, and if you're not serving, everyone's in need of being served. But if you're not serving, how are you being served? You might think someone else is going to step up and do it. Let me be honest, they won't. Unless you take that first step to start serving. We're in big need. Our kids and teens, they need your love and your support. Our college and young adults, they need your support. I know that you as congregants, as potential parents and adults and senior adults, you also need support, but we need to be able to support each other and take that step to start serving. Maybe living into your chosenness looks like just writing someone an encouraging note this week. You just notice someone might need a little, little extra love, a little extra encouragement. Or it's as easy as paying for someone's coffee or lunch who's in line behind you. Or maybe it's just responding in kindness, even when it's hard. See, in the movie, something incredible happened when Shang-Chi lived into his chosenness and became who he was created to be. The same thing happened to Moses when he lived into his chosenness. He parted the Red Sea. He led people out of slavery. He's leading them towards the promised land. Something incredible happens when we live into our chosenness. So why aren't we? In our series, we've been having these things called the shelves of remembrance with little items that are reminding us uh, of the sermons and, and topics past. And for mine, I chose a little figurine of who other than Shang-Chi. I love him, if you can't tell. Um, but the reason that I chose him to symbolize for us this idea of being chosen is that I hope when you look at these shelves next Sunday or the Sunday after or the Sunday after that, that you will see this six-foot plastic figure and remember of your call to be a chosen people and for all of the amazing things that you can accomplish when you are living into that call of identity. God chose you. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for the fact that you have indeed called us chosen, that you care so deeply for us that you would send your son and include us into part of your family. 
Lord, as we go from this place, would you continue to remind us what being chosen means and where you are calling us to show our chosenness. Lord, we love you and we give you all of the glory and the honor and the praise. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.